Hey, everybody. Before we get to this episode, we want to thank all of you who came out to our sold out show. What? At LAists The Crawford earlier this month. It was, as I like to say, fire. Yes, now let's keep that fire burning at our special upcoming show featuring two hosts from other podcasts here on Maximum Fun. It's Jarrett Hill of Fanti and Bria Grant of Reading Glasses. They're scheduled guests for our matinee recording of Go Fact Yourself on Sunday, February 26th at 2 p.m. at the Center for Inquiry in Los Angeles. Information is available at our website, gofactorpod.com. Now, the show's always fun with our live audience, and we hope you can join us for this special Max Fun Drive-themed episode. And speaking of Max Fun Drive, it's coming up. And for the upcoming membership drive, we'd really like to hear what this show means to you. Please email memberstories at maximumfun.org or leave us a voicemail at 323-601-8719 so we can hear your story. We might share your words in an upcoming episode. Again, that's memberstories at maximumfun.org or 323-601-8719. And now, here's the voice of me. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually... Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, recording remotely in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Now, this is our first recording uh, after the holiday season. Yes. Uh, did you have a good holiday season? I did. I was by myself. It was just me and the dog, and it was oh, splendid. Oh, it was really great. How was yours, J. Keith? It was excellent. My partner, Sarah, and I, we went to a Cabo in Mexico for our first time. Got to do a little scuba diving, which you know I enjoy. Yes. And um, in my last dive, I was so excited because I've often seen eels, just like the head poking out from like, <gasps> some coral or a rock, Ooh. which is always a delight. But this time, uh, there was one that was swimming right alongside. Whoa! Yeah, right alongside, like a couple of feet from me. So I was so excited, I took the GoPro that I had borrowed, and I just start pointing at it, and I'm watching it, and then it starts coming toward the camera, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Look how close <laughs> this eel is. And then the <laughs> next thing I notice is my guide is banging on the side of his... Uh, <gasps> tank because he had also noticed and then uh he gives me the sign that is a uh, eel which are, is my hand f- flapping up and down right and like then, a sock puppet like yeah, a exactly sock puppet exactly okay that turns into teeth like his uh <gasps> his fingers oh! kind of clench and Uh-oh. then and then into his arm showing me that basically that eel will bite you whoa yes so um when i rewatch that gopro video it, it looks like it's about to be a snuff film um <laughs> So it was one of those I was so ca- I was so caught up in the majesty of nature that I hadn't realized, oh, I'm here in a dangerous situation. And wow, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not like you were you, you thought for a moment that you were like safely in your bed with a Netflix film watching David Attenborough <laughs> yeah. narrate. Yeah, this I kept kind of hit pause and rewind, and no, it just kept <laughs> just kept coming at me. So little lesson wow. out there, you know, it's nice to get close to nature, but not uh, too close. So I'm glad you didn't get bit. 
Oh, yeah. Helen, that, that, <laughs> I, I never I never thought you cared so much. That's lovely. <laughs> well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is a comedian whose new special, Number One, is streaming on Peacock Now. It's Sean Patton. Hi, Sean Patton. Hi, everyone. Hi. How are y'all? Very, very Hi, well. Nice to see you. Uh, Sean, this special, number one, is so great. Congratulations on it. I watched it the other night, and unlike a lot of comedy specials I saw, I think what I appreciated so much is I had no idea where it was going. Well, first of all, thank you, because sometimes when a craft becomes popular, like stand-up is now, mm-hmm. there's sort of this like homogenization that happens mm-hmm. where everybody just kind of, you kind of get the same thing over and over again. So like a goal of mine from when I started doing this was just to be different. Mm. So doing a one-person show in Edinburgh, that was an intense experience Mm. because a lot of times people just, even if you're telling jokes, just sort of stare at you. (laughs) (laughs) You end up performing more for yourself. Mm. So I kind of shelved that show and then just years flew by as they do when you get older. And then the pandemic, that happened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when it came time to record a special, I was like, you know what? I need to pull this off the shelf. There are so many great comedians in the world, so many great performers. They become sort of predictable. It's it's no fault of their own. You just sort of see where it's going. I like people being like, hold on. I like that in anything. (laughs) I like that in music. I like that in movies. I like that in theater. I like that in literature. Why not also stand up? Very cool. One of the things that I discovered that we have in common from watching your special is that uh, you and I have both been bedwetters into our adult lives. And I still feel weird even saying that out loud now, you know, this many years later. Was it difficult for you to go public with that? Because I had a lot of shame. I feel in some ways it kind of defines who I am now. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I I guess part of like being a comedian is you have to somewhat be a bit of a masochist. You know, <laughs> when I'm super ashamed of something, yeah. what I do is tell rooms full of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that like being really open and honest mm-hmm. with flaws, like if there are people in that audience who feel like you do, where it's like, oh, this is so embarrassing and it may not be bedwetting, but yeah. who knows? Maybe that entire audience were a bunch of bedwetters. Yeah. I don't know that they weren't. <laughs> you haven't played the bedwetters convention? <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> but if it, makes, if it makes someone else feel better about their yeah. personal flaw and their bedwetting, yeah. then I'm all game for it. I'll take the embarrassment. It's kind of fun. Yeah. You know? It also takes the... The fangs out of it, right? Because, like, right. if everybody right. knows, like, who's going to hold anything over you? Because it's right. all out there. Yeah. Right, right and, right. and thank you, Helen, for not saying it takes the piss out of it. We really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, it was just well, too easy. I'm sorry. Well, we're not, we're just... not in England right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to ask you about uh, Michael Che, who's a friend of yours, is the executive yes. producer of this. Uh, yes. And I saw that at one point he did not know that he was producing this special. Well, Michael is an insanely busy guy. We had talked about it so many times, and then a pandemic hit. And then we just, everyone was just sort of like, you know, I, I didn't want to ask anybody for anything, even if we talked about it. I was like, let's just, you know, 800-pound gorilla, fantastic production company, and, you know, they do a lot of albums, and they let me do it my way and let me choose everything. And then, yeah, when Michael when Michael found out, was like, what are you doing? I was like, no, 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 trust me, this was part of it. I know you're busy. And I know you were going to do this. I know if you were on board from when we started, you'd have said the same thing. Uh, Just go do you, Sean, and we'll figure it out from after. But he's just an angel. He's a sweet, awesome dude. And 
you know, in this business, you get told a lot of things by a lot of people. And you got to take it all with a grain of salt. And Michael did exactly what he said he would do. And for that, any of my organs, he's got first dibs on. Wow, okay. If he, if he needs one. Wow. If he needs one. He, he probably doesn't want my liver, but he can have all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you did spend a lot of time in New Orleans. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're so happy that you're spending time with us today. Sean Patton, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Helen, against whom will Sean be competing? She is an award-winning writer and editor whose newest book, Weightless, is available now. It's Yvette Dion. Hi, Yvette Dion. So nice of you to join us. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, in addition to this wonderful new book, you, of course, are the executive editor of Yes Magazine, a columnist for MSNBC, and your uh, previous book, Lifting As We Climb, Black Women's Battle for the Ballot Box, was a National Book Award nominee and a Coretta Scott King Award winner. Congratulations on all that. Thanks. Thanks. I can't believe that's actually me that that happened to, but thank you so much. (laughs) Well, this new book, the full title is Weightless, Making Space for My Resilient Body and Soul. And a lot of it is sort of how fat phobia shows up in the world in different parts of our culture. I was really interested in learning about the bias in medicine. If I'm saying it right, the way you describe it is that sometimes doctors will treat the obesity as the issue and not necessarily the symptoms of what people are coming there to see the doctor for. And you had a very personal experience with that. Yeah. So I'm very open. I was 29 and diagnosed with heart failure. And then I was 30 and diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension, both kind of progressive chronic illnesses. And the thing about it is I was going to the doctor for many years saying that something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. And I'm not the only person having that experience. It mm-hmm happens to people all over the world all the time. And I wanted to really capture that in the book and and what that has done, not only to me, but to other fat folks. And uh, you actually give info about how people can find a doctor who can properly treat them. What are some tips that uh, people can take away from that? So I always say that there are these doctors, they're called health at every size doctors. They think less about weight and more about your actual symptoms, like what you're coming to the doctor for. I also recommend when you go to the doctor, just saying, I don't want to be weighed today. Mm. I don't want to be weighed. I don't want to talk about weight. Whoa, you can? You absolutely can. You're there for you. You absolutely can. Unless you're there for like anesthesia or something that's weight-based, you can Mm. say, I don't want to be weighed today. We talked with Sean about uh, talking about a lot of vulnerable things in his life and putting that into his art. And that was an experience for you as well. And uh, you actually credit going to therapy with being able to write this book. Therapy changed my life. Truly, everyone should have a therapist. I say this all the time. Everyone should have a therapist. And therapy really helped me tap into these experiences because my book is very vulnerable and and deals with a lot of personal things in my life. Mm -hmm. It allowed me to delve into those things without feeling the pain of it Mm. anymore. So I could talk about whatever has happened in my life and I'm not still carrying around the sadness of it or the pain of it. And I could talk about it here without bursting into tears, which is always a a positive. Now, what if my therapist wants to weigh me? (laughs) In that case, get a new therapist. Yeah, okay. That's a good good name. Last, I want to ask you about, you had an excerpt from your book published in Time Magazine. And uh, you talk about how the fat shaming that you experienced internalized uh, in you so much that you actually wouldn't date a fat person for a while, which is, which is, yeah, you've got your hands over your eyes. Does that embarrass you now? I'm so embarrassed. If I could talk to that person, I would say, I'm so sorry. I'm so (laughs) sorry I ever did that. But yeah, that, that was my experience. And to be clear, when I was saying that experience, I was 23. Yeah. At the time, 22, I'm a much different person now. But yeah, yeah. I, I used to be that person. I, I think it's very uh, very important to, to admit those things. And, you know, as people say, it's like when you know better, you, you do better. But I think what's also great about that is uh, that apparently will not be an issue for you anymore, according to a recent Twitter post that I saw. Oh, yes, I'm engaged. Yay! I'm married, yay. 
Um, yeah, my partner is also another fat person, which is great. Okay. He's like grown up. <laughs> That's awesome. You actually uh, you actually posted on Twitter uh, your first interaction from the uh, dating app chat. Uh, what, what what was it that uh, that grabbed you about him? Because uh, I'm sure you get a lot of messages being on a dating app. His first message was a joke, mm-hmm. and the punchline of the joke was "Metaphors be with you." There it, it is. Was like, what does the poet say to Luke uh, Skywalker? And I was like, oh, I have to marry this person. I love this person already. <laughs> Whoa. I think Helen is swooning. Helen, come back. I, I'm swooning. I'm like, does he have a brother? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, congratulations again on the book, and thank you so much for joining us. Yvette Dion, everyone. Sean and Yvette, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Sean, you said you know a lot about the band Rage Against the Machine, Charles Dickens' novel Great expectations, and, a little bit of a left turn, flatulence etiquette. Whereas Yvette, you said you know a lot about romantic comedies, hip-hop from the 1990s and 2000s, and all things Beyonce. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics, but first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, helpful hints. First up in helpful hints is Sean with helpful. Sean, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I'll let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Hey, everybody. This is Lucy Anderson from Houston, Texas. My question for What's the Difference is, while they both refer to helping someone commit a crime, what's the difference between aiding and abetting? Thanks, and have a great show. All right. Thank you, Lucy. Sean, you heard Lucy. What is the difference between aiding and abetting? The difference between aiding and abetting, aiding is actively helping someone, i.e. driving them somewhere, supplying them with a weapon, Mm -hmm. uh, giving them a place to hide, whereas abetting is simply turning the other way and ignoring them as they continue to commit said crime. All right. You have a very specific crime in mind, it seems, as well. So we'll (laughs) we'll look forward to how that plays out. Uh, All right. We've got Sean's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Yvette, if you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can steal anything you'd like to change or add to Sean's answer. Sean is spot on. As a true crime expert myself, I have nothing else to add. Wow. All right. An endorsement from the expert. Well, I'm abetting our listeners want this segment to end. So let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Thank you, Sean. Here are the facts. Aiding means that you helped someone during the commission of a crime, like you drove the getaway car for a burglary. Abetting means you help someone before the commission of a crime, like you told someone when the security guard makes their rounds so the burglary could be committed. In both cases, the action you took may not in itself be illegal. You're allowed to drive a car or tell someone where the security guard is, but the fact that you did it in order for someone to commit a crime is now why you're in criminal trouble yourself. Uh, That's right. Now, abetting can also include when you allow or look the other way, encourage Mm -hmm. or incite someone to commit a crime. And to be clear, just because we mentioned driving getaway cars and tracking security guards, we are not encouraging our listeners to commit a crime, especially if they don't (laughs) share the loot with us. Helen, how did our guest do? Sean, I'm going to give you one point for aiding because you said said actively helping and you also said getaway 
driving, which is exactly our example. <laughs> I kind of want to give you both half a point for being so confident in your answers. <laughs> it's up to you, so, Ellen. Yeah. So yes. I think, Sean, I'll give you a point and a half, and Yvette, I'll give you half a point. Thank you, Helen, for aiding me in my answer. Oh, oh, oh very nice. nice. So what? I see what you did there, <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> I like it as well. Sean triumphantly raising his arms in the air, as we hope all of our guests do. All right, up next in Helpful Hints is Yvette with Hints. Yvette, while they both might be helpful in helping someone solve a crime, what's the difference between a hint and a clue? A hint and a clue. Ooh. Ooh. A hint is giving you the basis of something. So it's not giving you everything. It's Mm -hmm. giving you the basis of something and putting it into context with something else. A clue is directly related to the crime. So it's something that I I see it as almost like a gateway directly into a crime. Mm -hmm. That to me is the difference between a hint and a clue. The gateway drug of crime detecting our, our clues. All right, we've got Yvette's answer. Sean, anything you'd like to add or change? I agree totally with the hint part. Would a clue also involve a piece of evidence, Mm. like a physical, a key, Mm -hmm. a bloody T-shirt, a, depending on the crime, (laughs) of course, um, a time-stamped entry key? I already said key twice. (laughs) Sometimes you need two. I keep thinking thinking of the video game or the uh, board game clue. And I'm like, a candlestick, Mm -hmm. possibly? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, would a clue also have to involve physical evidence? All right. Well, this segment needs to take the hint and end. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. First of all, I want to say I'm getting the idea that both of you are obsessed with true crime. Yeah. And or you guys are actually like criminals on the Yeah, and or involved in true crime. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and or Netflix pays us to keep committing. (laughs) We're running out of material. So you keep making documentaries. Get Sean and Yvette to go murder someone. (laughs) Like bloody bloody t-shirt. Like both of you came to gun and bloody t-shirt. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, you think this is the first time her and I are meeting? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Committed crimes years. together. <laughs> Sean's like, where'd you put the bloody t-shirt? Exactly. Here are the facts. You get a hint when what you're trying to solve has a known answer, and the person giving the hint wants you to get it. If you're taking a test or competing on a trivia podcast, the answers are known by the teacher or writer, and a hint should lead you in the right direction. You get a clue when what you're trying to solve does not have a known answer. If you're a paleontologist and you have no idea if a dinosaur fossil is buried under your feet, but you find a big tooth on the ground, that's a clue about where to dig. Also, a hint is usually a phrase or idea that's given, whereas a clue is usually a physical object that is found. All right. That is right. The word clue. Yeah, there you go. Sometimes it's fun to learn. I don't know. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> that's the so basic premise of this whole show, right. but, you know. Yeah, go ahead, Sean. So a hint is just a confident fact, and a clue is more of like a shy, like, oh, you figure it out. I don't know. <laughs> yes, the, the coyness of clues. Yeah. That's right, Helen. The word clue is sometimes used by puzzle and trivia writers, like in Crossword Clue or Jeopardy's Clue Crew, but those are really more hints than clues, so why not use the word hint instead? I haven't got a clue. Helen, how did our guest do? Yvette, unfortunately, I don't think you got either uh, one of uh, either parts correct. Sean, I'm tempted to give you half a point because you did say a clue is a physical object. So I'll do that. I'll give you half a point, Sean. All right. And what is our score at the end of that round? 
At the end of that round, Sean Patton has two points, and Yvette Dion has half a point. All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, it is time to talk about ButcherBox. We love ButcherBox. You know what I love about it? You can skip the crowds, the wait, and the expensive restaurant bill. And the best meals happen around the comfort of your dinner table. ButcherBox is always in season, and it's sharing the love with the warmth and coziness of comfort food. ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat and seafood you can trust with 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Get just what you want delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping for the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. Boxes come with recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks. Ooh, hacks. Some of those are even personalized, so you can cook up mouth-watering meals. Helen, how about that call to action? ButcherBox is offering our listeners one of their best deals yet, a 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole organic chicken free when you join, plus an additional $20 off your first box. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash gofact and use code gofact to get a 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole chicken free in your first box plus $20 off. That's butcherbox.com slash gofact and use code gofact to get this special deal. It's so special. And that's why we say thank you, ButcherBox. I'm Jordan Morris. And I'm Jesse Thorne. On Jordan Jesse Go, we make pure, delightful nonsense. We rope in awesome guests. And bring them down to our level. We got stupid with Judy Greer. My friend Molly and I call it having the space weirds. Pat Oswalt. Can I get a Balrog burger and some Aragorn fries? Thank you. And Kumail Nanjiani. I've come back with cat toothbrushes, which is impossible to use. Come get stupider with us at MaximumFun.org. Look, your podcast app's already open. Just pull it out. Give Jordan Jesse Go a try. Being smart is hard. Be dumb instead. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Sean Patton and Yvette Dion. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Sean, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the band Rage Against the Machine, Charles Dickens' novel Great Expectations, and Flatulence Etiquette. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what the band Rage Against the Machine means to you. In 1992, Lollapalooza, I was uh, 12 years old. Rage Against the Machine was performing. They were Lollapalooza was a touring festival back then. I passed out from the heat, from heat oh. exhaustion at mm-hmm. some point during the day. And when I woke up, my shoes were gone. Someone <laughs> had uh, taken the shoes off of a passed out 12-year-old boy. Just oh, no. That out there. Oh, that yeah. doesn't sound funny. Rage Against the Machine, I had never heard of at the time. And walking around as a sad 12-year-old boy in muddy socks <laughs> blew my they, they they changed my worldview of music like mm. and then i started like really getting into their lyrics and understanding like what they were about and what they were against and then i just saw them live again at the garden uh in uh, madison square garden in august of 2022 and they're still 100 percent them all right sean you also said you know a lot about the charles dickens novel great expectations still to this day one of my favorite books that i compare all books against it wasn't a full novel mm-hmm. at first. You right. started releasing it in quarterly, like, in a magazine, I believe. Yeah, you, you couldn't binge read it, as they called it right. then. Right, exactly. <laughs> the original ending, people hated so much. <gasps> the original ending was, like, the two main characters 
just never see each other again. They just, it's just, bye, you know, like, <gasps> and they both go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. And people wrote in and were like, please, please <laughs> don't do this to us. Please. And he mercifully said, okay, and changed the ending. You could draw a line there and be like, no, art is art. Mm-hmm. And sorry, that's it. And I agree with that to an extent. But I also like the idea of him being like, Okay, people, kiss the ring. One, <laughs> one more round. <laughs> I will change this for you and make your lives better with my art. Wow. And then finally, you said you know a lot about flatulence etiquette. Well, look, it's something everyone does. <laughs> uh, and when you really look into the nature of what a fart is, mm. you expel excess gas. One, mm-hmm. that's for health. Two, you also release pheromones. Mm. There's a high concentration of the human pheromone that comes right out of your butt. Yep. Wow. Subconsciously, you're like, but wait a minute, this is good DNA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So it's almost like nature's perfect, like, icebreaker. You can laugh, you can become attracted to someone, Mm -hmm. and you can bond over the stench. (laughs) And the etiquette part might be how how you deal with after the funny part. Right. Because I think some people are so... You know, they're so just like, oh, God, disgusting. Get away from me. And I'm like, mm. well, I understand that. But also, eh, I would understand. If only I farted, then mm. yes. Right. If I was the only human being ever who did it, I, it would be very rude of me. But sometimes you're like, it happens. Let's just be cool about it. Well, to summarize, Sean, you said you know a lot about the band Rage Against the Machine, the Charles Dickens novel Great Expectations, and Flatulence Etiquette. Today, we're going to quiz you about Flatulence Etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. I was not expecting that Yeah, one. this is not something that we usually cover, but we will do so in uh, as erudite and polite a way as we can. You actually talk about flatulence in a very moving way uh, in your special. I don't want to ruin it for people, but uh, but definitely check that out. What is your go-to etiquette in a situation where you experience flatulence? The f- etiquette goes as follows. A, find something immediately to blame it on. Right away. <laughs> be it a squeaky floorboard, mm-hmm. be it uh, uh, you know a, a mustard a mustard bottle somewhere, mm-hmm. a window a, a window sill mm-hmm. with a bird on it. Sometimes yeah. a ghost. Sometimes <laughs> a, oh, this place is haunted. Yeah. You know. Um, secondly, look at that bird. Look at yeah, that bird. Definitely what the bird. Happened? Did you hear that? Did you yeah. hear that? The the northern tutadill. Yeah. You know whatever. You, you know. So sometimes it's sometimes it could be as quick as it's a phone alarm. Like mm. oh what? Oh was that my phone or yours? You know? <laughs> Just everyone pretend like it wasn't what it was. All right. <laughs> Sounds a lot like my childhood. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with an expert-level question worth up to three points. But before okay. that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Yvette, listen closely, because if Sean answers incorrectly, you can steal. Yvette, by the way, how much do you know about flatulence etiquette? <laughs> Well, I have never passed gas in my entire life. So of, not of course. <laughs> of course. Exactly. Well, you may be you may be at uh, at a detriment in this, but we'll see if uh, perhaps if Sean lets you in, you might be able to correctly guess just by taking stabs in the dark. Sean, here's your first question. Sean, your flatulence etiquette may differ depending on who's around when the offense occurs. According to a 2016 survey by Mike.com, roughly half of respondents said they waited about six months before deciding it was okay to flatulate in front of whom? Ooh, their significant other? 
Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact, in that groundbreaking survey, most respondents said waiting two to six months is okay. 9% said they'd wait one year. And 7% said they would never flatulate in front of their romantic partner. Whoa. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, I see. Hmm. I actually, I try and flatulate as quick, as soon as I realize I really like the person. <laughs> Those pheromones again, huh? I will also point out that I am currently single. Okay. <laughs> All right, but you are on the board with the point. Here's question number two. One of the reasons flatulence is considered rude is because of the foul odor, a problem that one of America's founding fathers sought to address in a 1781 essay. In it, he encouraged the Royal Academy of Brussels to discover a way to, quote, render the natural discharges of wind from our bodies not only inoffensive, but agreeable as perfumes. Now, this man knew a lot about discoveries, having been credited for the invention of bifocals and the lightning rod. Who was he? Benjamin Franklin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Uh, Fun fact, Ben Franklin's letter was meant as a satire on what he thought were the impractical topics that many scientists were pursuing at the time and included a number of flatulence jokes and puns in this essay. I also also find it hilarious that he went to the University of Brussels. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Where they study the sprouts that, of course, would be the perfect topic for for that study. All right, Sean, here's question number three. The noise is another reason to practice flatulence etiquette, a topic addressed by Dutch philosopher Erasmus, who in the 1530s wrote that one should attempt to disguise the sound of flatulence by performing what other bodily function at the same time? A cough. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice, Sean. You know your stuff. Wow. Uh, I, well, tr- uh, I, like I said, I consider myself an expert. Well, good. This is uh, we're, we're proving it so here. So far. And I can also say you can replace a cough with a, uh, you can just sort of <laughs> yeah. have like an operatic outburst. A yeah. yawn sometimes works. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, well, things have really evolved since the 1530s to include oh, operatic yes. outbursts, yawns, and hey, look at that bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Or pretend like you're getting electrocuted. That one always, always works. <laughs> Always works. We learning, we're learning so much. Fun fact, Erasmus also wrote that everyone enjoys the smell of their own flatulence, which shows you what it took to be a Dutch philosopher in the 1500s. Once again, hilarious that is a Dutch philosopher. Yes, yes. Um, home of the Dutch oven. One Indeed. Of the, you know, that's, we, high, that's high level etiquette right there. We appreciate your taking note of those choices we made. All right, Sean, you're three for three. Here's question number four. You do have your two hints available. One of the ways we practice flatulence etiquette is by calling flatulence something else. But which of the following is not a word which once referred to flatulence? Is it fizzle, foist, glump, trump, or the vapors? (laughs) You have a hint if you need it. Yes. I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. I'm going to go with glump. Helen, and, and uh, can I ask why? Why did you choose glump? Uh, because it doesn't have the phonetic sort of oomph that <laughs> a fart uh, onomatopoeia would have, I guess. Okay. Is it onomatopoeia? Would, would well, that be an onomatopoeia? I don't know. If you if you glumped, that would be some trouble. Uh, Helen, a is, Helen, is he correct? You are correct. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Wow. You didn't even use the hint. Fun fact, according to Green's Dictionary of Slang, Foist and Trump date to the 1500s. Fizzle and the Vapors date at least to the 1700s. By the way, glump means to look sullen or frown, which you might do in the presence of flatulence. I also love that Trump was 
used to describe a fart. Yes, mm. it's, it's interesting that that didn't come back uh, in the last few yeah. years, but uh, right, right. <laughs> perhaps we'll be responsible for the resurgence of that. All right, Sean, you have a chance to go five for five. You can get this next question correct. You do still have a hint available. The reason there is such a thing as flatulence etiquette is because in most societies, flatulence is considered rude. But for some indigenous people of one country, flatulence is so well accepted, elders will sometimes translate flatulence as if it were spoken as the voice of a spirit. And their most powerful spirit, named Machikapu, is known as the Fart Man. In what country would you find this indigenous nation? I'll take the hint, please. Helen, how about that first hint? Some of their homeland is in what we now call Labrador. I'm going with Finland. Helen, is it Finland? It is not Finland. No, I'm terribly sorry. Yvette with a chance to steal. Oh, goodness. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I am going to randomly guess Canada. Helen? That is correct. That is oh, correct. Yeah? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Labrador is in Canada. Uh, oh, Yvette, I love the little rope-a-dope you did here. You said you didn't know anything about it, and then boom, coming in with the number five. Very well right. done. Uh, Blame it all on the dog, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. my dog. It wasn't me. Fun fact, Machikapu is the powerful spirit of the Innu people, not to be confused with the Inuit. Elders don't translate every instance of flatulence as a voice from the spirit, but often do when it's timed to break the tension at a formal meeting. Uh, So they actually have fun with it as well. And while we're having a little fun with this, we do, of course, recognize that these First Nations of the Americas and all of their humor and cultural uniqueness are in danger of disappearing completely. And we are glad that there are diligent researchers who are preserving their stories and traditions for future generations. All right, Sean, you did quite well in that round. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Sean, for 100 years, perhaps the foremost authority on etiquette has been Emily Post, whose book of etiquette was recently fully revised in a centennial edition. In the book, the authors briefly mention flatulence in a section about what not to do at a dinner table. For up to three points, if you anticipate flatulence, to what two places do the authors recommend you go after you excuse yourself from the table? And what phrase is used in lieu of flatulence? Okay, two places you would go. I mm-hmm. would, uh, I'm going to say obviously to the bathroom. Okay. And the second answer would be outside. Okay. And the phrase used in lieu of flatulence, powder one's nose. Powder one's nose. Okay, Helen is taking note of Sean's answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an author of the centennial edition of Emily Post's Etiquette, a host of the Etiquette podcast, Awesome Etiquette, and a great-great-granddaughter of Emily Post herself. It's Lizzie Post. Hello, Lizzie Post. Hi, how are you all? Hi. (laughs) Very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Definitely a a niche area that we're talking about. <laughs> I don't think I've Emily. ever been referred to as a flatulence expert before. <laughs> I'm not I, sure I, I even say, really qualify, but <laughs> Yeah, Lizzie, is this the first time that you've been contacted to talk in depth about farting? <laughs> definitely the first. Definitely a first. <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us. We'll talk about uh, the specific topic in a moment, but in addition to the credits that Helen mentioned, you also are a co-president of the Emily Post Institute. Tell us about what the Institute does. We are America's go-to source for etiquette advice and have been since Emily wrote her book in 1922. And we have a suite of services and products available, everything from a free Substack 
newsletter and website to one-on-one -on -one coaching, as well as a lot of seminars, both here in America and abroad. <laughs> um, but a lot of a lot of training in the etiquette in the world of etiquette. Yeah, there's a lot to learn about it. The centennial edition of Emily Post Etiquette just came out last fall. Briefly, what what would you say is the biggest thing that has or hasn't changed about etiquette in the last hundred years? I think that in the last hundred years, one of the biggest overall shifts I've seen is more of a focus on the individual mm. rather than assuming that everything has to fit a certain standard or that there's sort of one size that's the normal and then everything else figure it out. Oh, you know? interesting. A lot of our language and the way that we craft our advice now tries to take into account many different lifestyles. Emily was really good at this herself. She kind of always looked to future generations. Um, so the idea wasn't let's take what's popular in the past and just make it stick for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. But instead, let's look to what's coming in the future and try to get ready to adopt that as it comes. I feel like so much of etiquette has just like fallen by the wayside in <laughs> modern times. There's so many times this happens to me where I'm public and I just want to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, who was, raised you? Yeah, what no. is wrong with you? And, and you, for you, it must be like, no. <laughs> well, the on the the good side is that like you recognize when you're in this job that you are very human and you have those moments. And I was that person. I had a moment in the grocery store those first couple of weeks of the pandemic where I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> like, and I had to like walk out. But I think that it's really easy to look at other people's behavior and and see how frustrating it is to judge it. Etiquette in many capacities gets used for exclusion and secretive mm. codes and things like that. But when you instead think about etiquette as a really great tool for self-reflection and awareness of wow. the people around you, for gaining perspective, for finding a way to have agency and set boundaries for yourself without disrespecting other people while doing it, mm -hmm. while having consideration for others, I think that we are doing such a better job of listening to each other, of figuring out what the ideas of consideration, respect, and honesty really mean. All right. Well, Lizzie, let's get into it. We are here to talk about the topic of flatulence etiquette. And Helen mentioned your podcast. This was a topic that you said that your co-host did not want to touch. <laughs> He's so upset that his daughter, who's five, has learned that you can say to Alexa, Alexa, set a fart alarm for like 5 p.m. So she fart bombs him with the Alexa. Um, he is so uncomfortable about flashes. He tried to get us to not put it in the book. And I was like, you have to talk about passing gas and the fact that you should not pass gas at dinner if possible. Like, you know, like we and we need to say what to do when it happens because while you might have a sphincter that is very well under control, not everybody does. And yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit. What, uh, is there different etiquette when you realize you're with someone who can't control it? I think so. I th if someone told me that they had like an IBS or something that that impacted um, their bowel movements mm -hmm. to the degree that that this was going to be a part of our friendship, <laughs> sure. I would darn well try to be as nice as possible about that, yeah. you know? And you might come to some workarounds. You might open yeah. a few more windows when they come over, but like I think it's really worth doing your best. Etiquette has always been about making other people feel comfortable while not so disparaging yourself yeah. that, you know, you can't take it. But yeah, I think it's it's worth it. You know, we talk about the etiquette of the flatulator uh, him or herself or themselves. <laughs> but uh, what what is the proper etiquette for those who are in the midst? Is it to ignore it? I think so. I think that anybody who pulls a really big, oh my gosh, yeah. what was that? Or 
just a joking like who cropped us to the room it's really not worth it to call it out mm -hmm. if we want our goal to be to be polite about mm -hmm. it i think the politeness is in ignoring that elephant in the room and for the for the perpetrator for like a <laughs> word does taking responsibility matter is it better for them to say something or to also ignore it this is one where I wanted to get the panel's opinion okay. because I think that there there can be moments Ooh. where taking responsibility for it totally works. And I think like when you're sitting in a room with your partner, like a roommate or something, like just simply saying, oh, sorry, that was me. And like doing something to help mitigate the situation, turn mm -hmm. on a fan, light a candle, open a door, something. Yeah. I think that's considerate. At the same time, there are definitely times where you can get away with it. If long as <laughs> you might be able to just pass this off without taking any responsibility. In public, you should never have to, I don't think. I think it should be. This is the yeah. human condition, everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Life. And Yvette, yeah. I see you nodding along as well. Yeah. That's right. In private, yes. In public, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Glad to see we have some consensus. Well, Lizzie, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Sean. First, we wanted to know uh, in the book that you co-wrote, if someone anticipates flatulence, to what two places do the authors recommend you go after you excuse yourself from the table? Helen, what was Sean's first answer? Sean said the bathroom. And Lizzie Post? I would say definitely. Oh, that's <laughs> that's in like there. the main goal of the place to get to. That's where these smells are supposed to be, what? I guess. Yes. <laughs> where we deposit them. <laughs> All right. That's a point there for Sean. Helen, what was the next answer that Sean gave to that question? Sean said outside. And Lizzie? I think if you can make it all the way outside, that is a great place to go. And I would say like outside of the actual room that the meal is happening in is best. So if that's a hallway, if that's another mm -hmm. room go for it. But yes. yeah, I think I like outside. It covers so much. <laughs> in the book, you do say hallway though. So I don't know if you want to accept outside as an answer. That's up to you as our I'm expert. Go I'm going to say yes. I'm generous, man. <laughs> Very good. Another point for Sean. And I finally wanted to know from Sean, what phrase is used by the authors in lieu of flatulence? Helen, what did Sean say? Sean said powder one's nose. And Lizzie? <laughs> Which cracked me up. We say passing gas. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Being more direct. Okay, I see. Yes. I was like, like powdering one's nose. I was like, I've not heard of that for That's sort of a catch-all euphemism for Just any reason you need to excuse yourself from the, from the table. Yeah. Uh, all right, no point there. Sean, while we have our expert here, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of her? Actually, I've got so much. I, what is the name of this book again you've written? It's Emily Post's Etiquette, and this is the Centennial Edition. Have you ever considered doing like a live reading Q&A sort of. <laughs> yes. We actually, so on our podcast, we do do a lot of readings out of Emily's original okay. book. In the new book, the audio version of it, I actually did the the audio narration for it. And we did an Emily Post character voice <gasps> for Emily. Oh, fun. And so that one that, like cracks me up. But, um, and so the book has some sprinkled quotes in throughout it. And so that pops in. We have some plans for releasing her early material. And I am hoping, that we we can get kind of silly with them because it's it is really funny to read some of this. I stuff. know that Emily Post probably didn't actually sound like this, but the character voice, did you get her to be like this very uptight British <laughs> not woman. far off, Helen? You could have been there with us. Like not far off. When at needing all. to pass gas at the dinner yes. table. Excuse yourself to the restroom and powder your nose. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever need like an Ebenezer, like an Ebenezer Scrooge of etiquette? 
Well, Lizzie, like we it. appreciate you having fun with us on this topic. If people want to find <laughs> out more about you or your work, where can they do that? You can find us at emilypost.com and we are also on most social channels. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Look forward to my handwritten thank you note and thank you for being here today, Lizzie Post. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a great day. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Sean Patton has eight points and Yvette Dion has a point and a half with a round of questions for Yvette coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Yvette about a topic she knows about. Plus later, Sean and Yvette will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, I will give you one guess. What is it time to talk about that makes me so excited and happy? Because you said excited and happy, I'm going to guess Magic Spoon. Yes, it's Magic Spoon. Just when I see the box arrive at my doorstep, I get excited and happy. And so does my partner, Sarah. We really, really like it. You know, anytime you think about eating those childhood cereals, either a wonderful feeling of nostalgia and great memories. But as a grown-up, you got to be careful. But so much of the adult cereal is so bland and protein shakes and supplements can be so boring. Well, guess what? Magic Spoon reinvents your childhood favorites with only zero grams of sugar. They're wholesome. They're fueling. They're simple. They're high quality and great for people like me who do the low-carb lifestyle or diet. Helen, give us some more specifics about that nutritional stuff. Magic Spoon is a gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free way to relive those moments watching your favorite cartoons. Plus, it's only 140 calories a serving. It's like there's magic in every spoonful. (gasps) Get it? Uh, Get it? Uh-huh, I do. <laughs> With over eight unique flavors, including the previously limited edition only birthday cake flavor, you won't get bored of feeling good with Magic Spoon. You know I am on board with Magic Spoon. I have it delivered to my door on a subscription. I am never happier than when I see that Magic Spoon arrive at my door. Hey, Helen, how can people get Magic Spoon at their doors? Head to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash GOFACT and use code GOFACT for $5 off. And we say, thank you, you, Magic Spoon. Spoon. Hi, I'm Hal Loveland. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. And we're the hosts of We Got This with Mark and Hal, the weekly show where we settle the debates that are most important to you. That's right. What arguments are you and your friends having that you just can't settle? Apples or oranges? Marvel or DC? Fork versus spoon. Chocolate or vanilla? Best bagel. What's the best Disney song? We Got This with Mark and Hal. Every week on Maximum Fun, we do the arguing so you don't have to. Oh, all answers are final for all people for all time. We got this. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Sean Patton and Yvette Dion. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Yvette, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about romantic comedies, hip-hop from the 1990s and 2000s, and all things Beyonce. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what romantic comedies mean to you. Everything. Okay. I grew up thinking I was Cinderella. <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> Cinderella's you, gonna... you go way back with the romance. <laughs> 
that I thought I was going to be in a romantic comedy. But no, they're my favorite genre of movie. I like that they're really predictable and formulaic. And I know at the end, typically there's going to be a happy ending. So it does wonders for my anxiety brain. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite? I would say favorite all time. Probably you've got mail. Okay. Oh. That's right in the wheelhouse there, sure. Where do you rank Pretty Women, which is probably my favorite? That's my mom's favorite, too. I would rank it top five. Uh, by the way, we did a segment on Pretty Women with our guest Roxanne Gay a few uh, months ago. Oh, so check love that out it. as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, next, tell us what hip hop from the 1990s and 2000s means to you. I'm a hip hop head. I grew up on hip hop. I say all the time I became a feminist because of hip hop. Oh, wow. And the way that really? hip hop treated women. Yes, I used to identify as a hip hop feminist a long, long time ago. It's my favorite form of music. It's the kind of music that makes me feel like I'm a drug dealer. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm driving down the street. I'm like, oh, yeah, I deal drugs. That's why she knows people. so much about aiding and abetting. <laughs> exactly. I shoot people. I, I sell drugs. No, but I, I love hip hop. It's my favorite art form. I love following it even now, even though I don't know a lot of the younger rappers. Mm-hmm. But 1990s and 2000s is my sweet spot. Wait, are you the feminism came in a, as a reaction against a lot of the misogynistic lyrics or because of the theme like because of feminist hip-hop both honestly so part of it was like this is odd they call all the women Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little odd. And then also there were women in hip hop at that time who were kind of counterbalancing that. So yeah. I came into hip hop through both ways. I came into feminism through both as well. Very nice. cool. And finally, you said you know about all things Beyonce. Beyonce, queen of my heart, <laughs> my patron saint. <laughs> I'm like a stan, but not a crazy stan. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not one of those people online like I will kill for Beyonce. Mm. But would I? Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What is it about Beyonce you think that speaks to you so much? What I admire most about her is how meticulous she is. Mm. Like, she doesn't have to be that intricate anymore. Mm. She's, what, 30 years into a career. She could fall back. She doesn't have to do excellent, excellent work all the time. But she's like, no, I want to top myself. And top myself and mm. top myself and top myself and top myself is something to aspire to. She's definitely not a phoner in her. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. She's going to cross every T and dot every I mm. and look flawless doing it. Well, to summarize, Yvette, you said you know a lot about romantic comedies, hip hop from the 1990s and 2000s, and all things Beyonce. Today we're going to quiz you about hip hop from the 1990s and 2000s. Uh, Let's do it. Who are some of your favorite acts from that era? Oh, Nas is my favorite rapper of all time. Mm-hmm. So Nas, I love Jay-Z. I love Little Kim, Lauren Hill. Name it. I love them. All right. I'm down. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with an expert level question. But before that, let's let you show your love with these five trivia questions about your topic, each worth a point. And just like Sean, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Sean, do listen closely because if Yvette answers incorrectly, you can steal. Sean, by the way, how much do you know about hip hop from the 1990s and 2000s? Everything. Oh, Ooh. really? Do you? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we Not everything, but a lot. A lot. I'm, okay. I'm, everything she said, I'm like, right here with you. Like, I love all the 90s. It was the golden era. It was amazing. All right. So, well, let's, yeah. uh, let's see if we got ourselves a real competition here. Yvette, here's question number one. One of the giants of hip hop in the 1990s and 2000s has sold over 35 million records, secured 17 Grammy nominations, been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, hosted the game show The Joker's Wild, introduced his own line of cannabis products, and presided over a reality cooking competition show with his friend Martha Stewart. Who is this accomplished person? Snoop Dogg, of course. Helen? 
Obvi, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, totally Obvi. Totes Obvi. Yes, that is, of course, correct. Fun fact, Snoop also won a Primetime Emmy Award for his performance at last year's Super Bowl alongside other hip-hop stars Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, and 50 Cent. Yvette, question number two. Rap legend Jay-Z, who you said is one of your favorites, also has a diverse resume and had become such an impresario by 2008 that he decided to create a new company to encompass all of his business endeavors. That company has encompassed a record label, talent management, fashion line, a greeting card line, and a school for music, sports, and entertainment at Long Island University. What is the name of this company? Rock Nation. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. You seem almost mad that we asked you such an easy question. (laughs) Hopefully they'll get a little more challenging. Fun fact, among Rock Nation's recording artists are a duo named The Carters, comprised of Sean Jay-Z Carter and his wife, an up-and-coming vocalist named Beyonce. I don't know if you've heard of her yet. (laughs) I didn't know about the greeting card line. Rock Nation has a greeting card line? They they teamed up with American Greetings to make uh, some greeting cards for... People who would enjoy it. Here's question number three. You're two for two. The year 2000 saw the debut single of Ludacris's What's Your Fantasy, which made VH1's list of the 100 greatest hip-hop songs. In the song, Ludacris lists numerous suggestions for locations where he and his female companion might, how should I put this, express their fondness for one another. But which of the following places is not mentioned in the song's lyrics? Is it a bathtub, a library, a grocery store, the White House, in the Georgia Dome on the 50-yard line, or on stage at a Ludacris concert? Mm. Oh, yeah, I'll take the hint. All right, Helen, how about that hint? The White House is one of the places mentioned in the lyrics. Okay, so I will go grocery store. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Three for three. Fun fact, other places Ludacris suggests in the song include a classroom, a factory, on top of his Cadillac Escalade, and a garden. Oh, that's nice. But the Georgia Dome 50 yard line, that's the that's the kicker. Yes, if you will. Yes, indeed. Thank you. All right. (laughs) You're three for three. Here's question number four. Positive K, who worked with artists such as Big Daddy Kane, MC Light, Outkast and Puff Daddy, had a top 40 hit and gold record with his song, I Got a Man. The lyrics are a comic dialogue in which a man is undeterred in his attempts to ask out a woman who repeatedly tells him that she has a boyfriend. However, despite the presence of the second voice on the recording, no credit is listed for the female vocalist. What artist recorded that female-sounding voice? Oh my god. This is a great question. I'm definitely going to need the hint. All right, Helen, how about that second hint? It's someone whose name was mentioned in the question. I believe Positive K is both voices. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice. Wow! I never knew that. I learn something new every day. Same here, yeah. You didn't know that as well? Okay, very good. Uh, Yes, his vocals were pitch-shifted during production to make him sound more traditionally female. Fun fact, Positive K's early career included performing as part of Big Daddy Kane's live shows, where he would freestyle with an up-and-coming talent named Jay-Z, who would later marry someone named Beyonce. How about that? It all comes back to Beyonce. I'm still (laughs) digesting this vocal pitch shift, because the song is so like, I got a man. I got a man. Man. Even back wow. then, they knew how to do that and save money on uh, hiring another talent. I think that probably was the motivator <laughs> as well. All right, Yvette, you now have a chance to go five for five. 
One of the most dominant figures in hip-hop of this era is the queen of rap, Missy Misdemeanor Elliott, who, according to Nielsen Music, is the best-selling female rapper of all time. In addition to her four Grammys, eight MTV Video Music Awards, and six BET Awards, Missy Elliott also has honorary doctorate degrees from two different universities. Name one of them. If I am not mistaken, Missy Elliott has a doctorate from Columbia College in Chicago. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly oh, sorry. Really? No, a very reasonable guess, though. That does seem like the kind of place that would give her one. Uh, Sean, you have a chance to steal. I'm going to go with, based on lyrical ability and subject matter, mm-hmm. she has a doctorate from Penn in Pennsylvania. Penn in Pennsylvania. Helen? That is not correct. No, again, a very reasonable guess. No, her two are from Berklee College of Music in Boston and Norfolk State University. Uh, No point there for either of you. Uh, Fun fact, 30,000 people have signed a change.org petition in support of building a statue of Missy Elliott to replace a Confederate monument in Portsmouth, Virginia. 104 people have signed a change.org petition against that petition. (laughs) <laughs> because because America. Of course they did. Uh, all right, Yvette, you still did very well in that round, but now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Yvette, one of the top hip-hop albums of the 1990s was Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life Of, which spent 76 weeks on the Billboard 200 chart and yielded three top 10 singles. The group behind it also had another Billboard 100 single with a song that appeared on a soundtrack for a Spike Lee biopic, a song that Lee had asked the band's co-founder to write and for which Lee directed the music video. For up to three points, who is the group behind all of these hits? For what Spike Lee movie did they provide a song? And who is that group's co-founder who also serves as its rapper, producer, and songwriter? I'm going to say the group is Public Enemy. Okay. I'm going to say the co-founder is Chuck D. Mm -hmm. And the movie, why am I blanking on this movie? It's a biopic. It's it's a biopic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it has to be Malcolm X. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a rapper, producer, musician, and songwriter who won two Grammy Awards with the seminal hip-hop group Arrested Development. It's Speech. Hello, Speech. Are you there? Yo, what's up? 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 Wow. How y'all doing? Oh, my God. Yes, I wanted to join in and, and rock with y'all today. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Speech. It's, it's an amazing honor. My goodness, this album, three years, five months, and two days in the life of, last year celebrated its 30-year anniversary. That, that yeah. Just, that just wow. blows my mind. What, what did you do to mark the anniversary? It blows my mind, too. We did um, a partial tour of all of Europe. We went throughout, you know, Greece and, and France and London and all throughout Europe it's been amazing. We did more shows in Europe last year to celebrate this than I've ever done mm-hmm. in Europe in any one year ever. So Whoa. it was incredible. Oh, very yeah. cool. Those three hits that we refer to are People Every Day, Mr. Wendell, and Tennessee. The album went quadruple platinum. My God, what was that year like for you? It was uncanny. It was just like um, a lot of stuff squashed into a small amount of time. You know what I mean? Because um, it was our first album. We're all young. You know, we won a ton of awards that year, too. So it's just mm-hmm. like making music, touring that music, meeting tons of new industry and non-industry people, 
winning awards, making money for the first time in our life. <laughs> yeah, now the, the title of that record referred to how long it took to get a record contract. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Which actually doesn't seem like that long. No, I know, no I was going like to say now. three years, five months. I'm like, uh, yeah. I, it took me a while, way longer to do a comedy special than that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, truth is, too, you know, I, I did other groups prior to that, so I only right. counted the rest of the development's journey. You oh, know? okay, you're already, yeah. you're already in the business and, and, yeah, and working yeah, your connection, yeah, trying, sure. trying to make it happen for much yeah. longer. Yeah. Uh, it's often pointed out that uh, what you guys were doing was a contrast to gangster rap, but um, you actually liked gangster rap. You just wanted to do something different? Yeah, so for me, it, it never was a contrast. It was to add to the narrative because for quite a while, our narrative as black people was only becoming that. And that's not the truth of our people. So mm-hmm. I wanted to add more narrative to the conversation. And that's exactly what we did. I know that in Tennessee, you used a sample of a Prince song. And you said that 99% of the songs that you ever created have been influenced by Prince and his sensibility. Facts. But the, the sample that you used, I, I was surprised to read that you actually didn't have his permission to use that in Tennessee. No, you know, back in the ni- early 90s, it wasn't very concrete how sample law works. You know, hip hop mm. was relatively new. It only been around for 10, 15 years. And and mm. so we used to think that if you sampled less than two seconds, you didn't have mm. to get permission. If you sampled right. no melody, you didn't have to get permission. Well, in my case, it was less than one, well, maybe one second. And it was not a melody. So mm-hmm. it was just one of those things where I didn't think it was necessary. And so uh, how did he find out about it? And how did you find out that he found out about it? He found out because it was a hit. It got to number one yeah, okay. on the hip hop charts. And, yeah. and he was like, wait a minute, that, that guy sounds familiar. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, I'm sure people told him about it as well. And then it got number six on the pop charts. And so mm-hmm. the moment it went down to number um, seven, I got a call mm-hmm. from, uh, from Paisley Park. And they was like, yo, Prince wants to talk to you. He's, you, know, you owe him some money for this <gasps> sample. And it was for the word Tennessee. That was it. Just that word. Yeah. Just oh, one word. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was from Alphabet Street, I think. Yeah. From Alphabet Street. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm going to take yeah. her on my back but seat he ended up being... and drive her to Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. 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 But he ended yeah. up being cool about it. He, he, he could have given you a lot harder time than he did. At the time, I thought he was exorbitant. Like, he charged me $100,000 for that mm. word. And that's a lot of money for a sample. I mean, just anyone would tell you that. But... Yeah. The truth is he could have asked for writing credits. He could have asked for publishing, mm. which in the music industry is even more important. So to be honest, as time went on, I got it. Like, he actually did us a favor. Yeah, mm. that's great. Now, you won two Grammys that year. You were the first hip-hop artist to win a Grammy for Best New Artist. What, what was your Grammy Award experience like? It was incredible. But I, w- I will say that I was sort of not all the way there. How do you, you mean? Know, because... We had been doing so much at that time period. We did an Unplugged album. We did so many other award shows. We did tours. So I was um, not really able to soak in the moment until afterwards. And when Mm -hmm. I watched it on TV, because my family, of course, recorded it, I got a chance to meet Michael Jackson that night, (gasps) Madonna, you know, Lenny Kravitz and I became friends that night. So it's like a lot of cool things happened, but I, I still didn't get a chance to sink into it all, you know? Wow. Well, let's talk about what you've been up to more recently. Arrested Development has a newer record out, and you've got some hip-hop legends on there. Tell us what the record's called and, and uh, who you have guesting on it. Yeah, it's called For the F in Love. It's our brand new record we put out featuring Big Daddy Kane, Master Ace, Moni Love, Bumpy Knuckles. I mean, so many dope, dope, dope artists. D1. I'm really proud of this record. It's just 
our love for hip hop and it shows this record's it's boom bap is fantastic and we've gotten incredible incredible reviews on this record one of the coolest things that you've gotten to do over the years i would imagine is sharing a stage with nelson mandela that's something that not a lot of people can say that yeah. they did uh tell us how yeah. that happened and, and what that experience was like for you it is absolutely um life-changing and it's something mm-hmm. that i always remember as a highlight in my life we donate money whenever we can to causes that we believe in we donated money to the national homeless coalition we donated money to the anc so when we went to south africa we got a chance to meet with nelson mandela we did a performance celebrating the lives of some children that were murdered there and we got a chance to meet him and it was just absolutely amazing we shot a dope music video while we were there it was just incredible time and and meeting him was a highlight in my life do you get time alone with nelson mandela or when you're in that kind of a situation is it just you know being shoved from one place to another on stage i got a chance to do a speech with him so Mm -hmm. i i opened up his speech i did a speech then we talked for a moment then he did his speech which of course was a closing speech he just became president of the country too so it was an amazing time Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of times people uh, don't like to say, you know, when they were an opener, who are they opened for? But in this case, I think that's uh, I think that's oh, pretty facts. legit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you about. We, of course, are all familiar with the TV show called Arrested Development. And I understand that there was a bit of a legal matter with that. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, you know, obviously we're called Arrested Development. We had trademarked our name back in 92, 91. Mm, smart. And we were just watching TV. I was actually watching the Super Bowl. And some sports commentators were saying, and coming up next is Arrested Ugh. Development. And I'm like, what? You know, saying like, um, <laughs> like we're not, not booked for the that. Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So they were. So then the sports commentators were saying, oh, is that the group? Everyone was confused, including us. Long story short, we had to go to court because they had took the name Arrested Development. And, yeah. and how trademarks work is that you can't use names commercially that somebody else has already trademarked commercially and especially in certain fields. And so TV shows do soundtracks, they do CDs and all types of different videos, of course, and we do the same. So yeah, we had to go to court. We settled out of court and things worked Mm -hmm. out, but yeah. All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Yvette. First, we want to know who is the group behind all of those hits from that 1990s album, Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of Helen. What did Yvette say? Yvette said, Public Enemy. And speech? It is Arrested Development. Yes. No, a very reasonable guess, but uh, not quite correct there. No no point there for Yvette. Next, we want to know for what Spike Lee movie did that group provide a song? Helen, what did Yvette say? Yvette said Malcolm X. And speech? It's X. Yes, indeed. Spike Lee. That is correct. The song, of course, is called Revolution, which also was a top 100 hit for y'all in the same year as you had all those uh, three singles from the album facts oh man all right and then finally wanted to know who is that group's co-founder who also served as its rapper producer and songwriter yvette was all in on public enemy so helen what did she say (laughs) yvette said chuck d and speech it is speech and let me say by the way chuck d he actually helped us get that soundtrack for the malcolm x movie yeah because spike lee wanted public enemy to do that and they Mm -hmm. had some some stuff going on that they couldn't do it and so chuck d mentioned Arrested Development. And and so we ended up doing it. We're very, very grateful for that. And Chuck, I didn't even know that back then because Spike and I Mm. had a relationship back then. But Chuck D actually told me later, he said, yo, man, I actually told him that, you know, so that was dope. 
That is so you're sort of you're sort of in the right direction, Yvette. I want to salute you on that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, Yvette, while we have speech here, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of our expert? I just want to say thank you so much for being here. I am shell shocked. Talk about an expert. Yeah. Word well up. Well done. Well Word done. Up. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. T- yeah. That that album is is it's amazing. It's thank amazing, you. and it's thank an honor to get to talk. I hope to create things as good as that album. Man, I really appreciate yeah. that. We all do. Thank yeah. you for that, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I think I still have the CD somewhere in dope. my mom's basement. <laughs> like dope, this. dope. Well, now you, you got to pull it out. You got to rock yeah. it again. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's Beach, dope. It's been such a delight and honor that you've joined us. If people want to find out what you and Arrested Development are up to, where can they do that? They should go to ArrestedDevelopmentMusic.com and on IG, I'm known as Speech underscore underscore. Awesome. Uh, well, you have underscored our show with excellence <laughs> Today. Thanks for joining right us. On. Speech, everybody. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. You, All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Sean Patton has eight points and Yvette Dion has six and a half points. All right. Now it is time for our final round that we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Sean and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Sean, Yellowstone Park is located in New Jersey. False. Correct. Yeah, it's in Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho. (laughs) Yvette, Yellowstone is a U.S. national park. True. Correct. Sean, Yellowstone was the first U.S. national park. True. Correct. Yvette, Yellowstone is the most visited U.S. national park. True. Incorrect. No, in the most recent year, it was Blue Ridge Parkway. I know. More people should go to Yellowstone, especially with this TV show phenomenon. Come on, guys. Right. Sean, the U.S. is the country with the most national parks. False. Correct. Yvette, China is the country with the most national parks. True. Incorrect. Sean, Australia is the country with the most national parks. True. Correct. Yvette, one of Australia's national parks is called White Mountains National Park. False. Incorrect. No, sorry, it really is. Sean, one of Australia's national parks is called Red Mountains National Park. True. Incorrect. Yvette, one of Australia's national parks is called Blue Mountains National Park. False. Incorrect. No, it really is. Sean, I, J. Keith, recently went to Australia's Blue Mountains National Park for my second time. True. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yvette, I didn't realize I had twice been in a national park until I researched this quiz. True. (laughs) Correct. Sean, maybe I should read a travel guide next time. True. (laughs) Correct. And finally, Yvette, or at least read the sign. True. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) All right, we're not going to count those last few. I want to thank Sean Patton and Yvette Dion as Helen tabulates our final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's program? I am, Jay Keith. At the end of the game, Sean Patton has 12 points and Yvette Dion has seven and a half points. Congratulations, Sean Patton. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Sean, what will you do with your championship? I will spend my day walking around. I'm in Denver, Colorado right now, bragging to everyone. (laughs) And Yvette, you just lit up. I think, Yvette, you're in Denver, Colorado, aren't you? I live in Denver, Colorado. You're in Denver, too? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm here. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. you'll run into Yvette and you can uh, brag to her as well. What a <laughs> what a beautiful moment that would be for everyone. <laughs> yeah, right? We could actually just talk about how amazing it was to talk to speech. That was crazy. I know. Wow. That was mind-blowing. Made my year. Oh, I'm right? so happy to yeah. hear that. That's wonderful. We're going to wrap things up by giving everyone here a chance to mention or promote anything they might like. Sean Patton, what are you up to and where can people find you? You can find me uh, on the socials at Mr. Sean Patton on Instagram, Sean Patton Comedian on TikTok, my website, meshawnpatton.com. I am touring constantly. I'm on the road with David Cross, March, April, and May. 
a little bit with Burt Kreischer in February and my special number one streaming on Peacock right now. Check out my website, meetseanpatton.com. I'm on the road for the year. See the special. Thank you very much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sean Patton. And Yvette Dion, where can people find what you're up to? I am Free Black Girl across every social media platform that exists. And please, please buy my book. It's called Weightless. You can buy it anywhere that you buy books. But I personally recommend buying from your local indie bookstore. Mm. Oh, lovely. Well, we're certainly happy that you joined us as well, Yvette Dion. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, what is going on with you? My comedy special, Well Hong, is streaming now (laughs) on multiple platforms. And you can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. It's got to be Funny Helen Hong because that other Helen Hong, is she funny? No, no, she's not. She is not not funny. She is not funny. But you are Helen. You are Hong. You are Funny Helen Hong. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net. That just leaves me to thank Sean Patton, Yvette Dion, Lizzie Post, and Speech. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Come see us at the Center for Inquiry West on Sunday, February 26th at 2 p.m. It's a matinee. More live audience shows to be announced soon. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Bender is Okay did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, interesting guests, funny hosts, and the most creative format out there. Can someone please make this a TV show so more people get to see it? Thanks, Bender is Okay. That would be more than okay with me. Ellen? <laughs> Amen to that, Bender is Okay. From your mouth to some TV producer executive's ears. <laughs> As the saying goes, yes. <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex, which this week included Clint Tauscher. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher, associate producer and editor and overall superhero, especially for this recording, is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Bart Gold, Brian Phillips, Will Moronic, Dr. Raymond Hames, Dr. Robert Borofsky, and our consulting cultural anthropologist, Peter Armitage at Wolverine and Associates. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Vallada. Special thanks to Maya Terry, Robin Randall, Rich Ezra at musicregistry.com, Samantha Murphy and Todd Sandler at SWB Entertainment, Sonia Chews at Echo Books, Joe Lamont at Pipeline Entertainment, and Nicole Sage at Sage PR Consulting. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to hip-hop from the 90s and 2000s! And make hip-hop names for ourselves. Mine would be Silent But Deadly. Mine would be Jay Keith. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.